1: And with me is Kim Thompson-Pinder, the Word Ninja! (laughs) We thought we'd shake it up a bit and I'd get my turn. This is part two of ten faux pas that you want to avoid when speaking as you present yourself as a professional authority. How'd I do, Kim? Good! So we talked
0: about in the first episode, and uh, you can can go back. It's probably a couple episodes back because we do these episodes on the first and the third Tuesday of the month. So if you go back a little bit, you'll be able to find the first part one of this. But we talked about the fact that first impressions count, especially in a business setting. And you want to make sure that when you speak – and that it comes across powerfully, not overwhelming. You never want to overwhelm a person, but you want to come across with that confidence, that je ne sais quoi, that just attractive. Really? Yeah. And we had some fun in the first podcast. In fact, we spent most of it laughing. So hopefully you were able to make out some of the what we said in the podcast. But we also talked about the first three. Filler words, preamble, and rambling. Just on and on and
1: on and on and on and on. <laughs> and we told you to... Eliminate filler words, eliminate preamble, and get to the point. <laughs> and then stop once you got there. So, a
0: word that keeps going through my mind is succinctly. And yeah, I'm sure good. if I asked Winita, she can give us a definition for that word very quickly. It
1: means brief and to the point. Perfect.
0: <laughs> I was
1: just No preamble me. or ramble
0: in there. So, today we want to cover the other six. Of the uh, ten faux pas. And this has come from my new book that's being released in the summer, Author to Authority. And if you want to get a free excerpt of the book that teaches you all about the six key building blocks, gives you a great introduction to the Author to Authority concept, you can go to www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. And of course, the link will be in the show notes. So as Juanita has been wonderfully doing while I'm speaking,
1: uh,
0: the next one is listen more. I've seen so many people who are trying to act like they're an expert or they're an authority, and they feel like they have to do all of the talking, that they have to prove that they're an expert. And it almost, it's kind of gross sounding but it almost comes out like verbal vomit yeah that is pleasant. Pleasant. <laughs> have you ever met, met somebody like
1: that who was just trying to dominate the conversation oh yeah don't get it on my shoes is what you feel like saying <laughs> when you listen more you really are giving someone the gift of your attention mm-hmm. it's a real treat honestly to feel like you're being heard One of the things that I like to do is I like to ask someone a question, an open-ended question, not a yes or no question, and listen to what they're saying and think about what it might mean for them and find out how what I do can help them, help solve a problem for them, help them do something better in their life. Or do I know someone who might have a better solution for them?
0: here's the thing. So there's a real life example of a very short preamble. Listening does not make you the weaker person. That's a misconception that the person who's talking is the better, bigger, stronger, faster, whatever, than the person who's listening. But someone who's a true authority has that confidence within themselves, they know themselves, they like themselves, that they can allow anyone to talk, listen carefully, ask questions, and still come out of it with their own self-worth and value. They don't have to be the center of attention. And that becomes strangely attractive to those who feel like they have to talk all the time.
1: You often get complimented as being such a great conversationalist when really you're just the one soaking it in. In a business conversation,
0: even when you're just getting to know someone, listening is powerful. It allows you to quickly determine whether where this person belongs in your network. Maybe this is someone that's going to be a good potential client for you. But maybe they're not. Maybe they could be a comrade or a coach or someone who can connect you. Maybe there's someone that you can collaborate and joint venture partner with. But you don't know that until you listen. If you assume, and there's a reason why, if you break up assume, I won't say the word over here, but just break up the word into three parts. You'll get what I'm saying. Listening becomes a powerful tool for you. In terms of positioning yourself as authority, but also building your business. OK, eye contact. Now this is one that Winita and I have never had a problem with. <laughs> Actually, the reverse is true. Many times we can look at each other because we know what each other's thinking.
1: <laughs> if you are a shy person and making eye contact is uncomfortable for you, there's a couple of tips because. Kim's mostly right in saying that I've never had a problem with eye contact, but I did have one kind of problem with eye contact. Kim and I are both very tall women. I'm six feet tall. You're what five ten? Five and a feet. half? And a exactly. half. Exactly. <laughs> when talking and we've been this height since high school. Mm-hmm. When talking with our younger and shorter classmates eye contact would actually make you slouch a little bit. So humor aside, that is sometimes not perfect. Sometimes to achieve eye contact comfortably, you may need to take a step back and widen the gap between you Mm. to have a good, comfortable eye contact. You may also have to find looking you're not always peering into someone's eyes and only the pupils of the, your eyes like when we talk about eye contact some, that some people get that impression that you can only watch your eyes don't do that it's creepy <laughs> it's it's creepy when someone locks gazes with you and then will not let go bounce around look at their eyebrow look at their cheek look at their mouth look at back up their eyebrow look at their nose you know if they have a blemish on the end of their nose, don't stare. But, <laughs> but keep your eye moving around like, I don't know. You know, are they wearing earrings? Do they have a mustache? If she has a mustache, do not compliment her. She doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> I know I'm on a roll right now. <laughs> but eye contact can be even top of the, the forehead, eyebrow, cheek, and, and, and just kind of in the general face zone. Makes people feel like you're paying attention and being comfortable. And knowing that can be helpful if you are perhaps a little more on the, you're not neuro, what are you? Neuro, neurodivergent. You're not neurotypical. This is a way of working around something that might be challenging for you.
0: Now, the other reason why Winita and I had to take a step back, because we were tired of the guys staring at our chest all the time. There's
1: that. <laughs> Although it, you can't, you know, hold hold your books and hold your textbooks in front of you. That's really all, the only thing that solves that, girls. So close, close, close. Kim. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know.
0: <laughs> so it was nice. By the time of the end of high school, most of the guys were at least close to our height or taller. okay the next one being unclear on your core marketing message that first impression that you make those first words that come out of your mouth when you introduce yourself leave a lasting impression there is a reason why I call myself the extraordinary word ninja now I've written over 150 so I've earned the title, but I specifically use it because I want to be memorable. I want a good, strong first impression. I also want to make people curious. So the Extraordinary Word Ninja is my business persona. It's what I use to differentiate myself from other people who do what I do. And amazingly enough, most people may not remember my name, but if they've met me either online or in person and they see me again, they go, oh, wait, you're, you're, you're that, that word ninja, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And of course, that's exactly what I want. When you have your core marketing message in place, and we've done lots of podcast episodes on it. So if you're not too sure about it, go back and listen. We've done quite a few of them since 2019. But your core marketing message contains who you are, who you serve, and how you serve them. So we're not going to go into full explanations of that today. Go back and listen to some of the, the past uh, episodes. But when you can do that it becomes strong. Now, I didn't even have a chance to share this with Juanita yet before the show. So we're going to do this here. I've been working on my new introduction, the way that I stand out. So, you know, who I am, who do I serve and how do I serve it? Now, I've got it written on a nice little post-it note here because I don't have it memorized yet, but I'm going to read it and let Juanita share her honest thoughts online on air. Oh, this might be scary. (laughs) So, my new introduction is, hi, I'm Kim Thompson-Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja, Chief Visionary Officer of RTI Publishing, and if I'm going into my long official one, international best-selling author, award-winning speaker, and host of the Author to Authority podcast. I teach entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches how to become the authority in their niche through the six key building blocks of authority marketing. And how to do it 10 times faster by becoming an authority in my author-to-authority program. Now, it needs to be tightened up a bit, but that's,
1: that's the framework that I'm now working from. So the extended one you would be using when you're speaking from and selling from stage, correct?
0: Stage, or if I'm doing a Facebook Live. Occasionally, if it's a really sort of bigger type person that I need to make a really big first impression on. Sometimes I'll say that, but I kinda say it half jokingly, just so it, it's kind of there. And I teach it. So I use it because I teach it quite a bit. But normally if I just introduce myself, you know, hi, I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and chief vision, visionary officer of RTI Publishing. I work with entrepreneurs, professional speakers, and coaches.
1: That's about the amount that in a quick introduction... That people will register mm-hmm. in and lock in, yeah, so yeah that, that's going to be really good.
0: The longer one is when i'm providing social proof of who I am
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there's value in that, but I don't use it all the time, like Juanita said that's predominantly when i'm speaking somewhere or if i'm doing on i'm on somebody's podcast or you know i'm I'm speaking at someone 's Facebook live, and I You know, I do it and I'll do it different ways. Sometimes I do it kind of tongue in cheek, right? Because I don't want it to be like so ultra serious, like I am the be all and end all. But it does get the message out there that I have some experience.
1: Yeah, it's establishing Kim's credentials. It's establishing the kind of professional that she is. And those are great things. It's also solidifying her persona as a brand as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm tiptoeing around here. I'm getting a little bit close to our next point. I don't think I went quite there, but if I were to say grab Bessie and walk her through the garden and slap a rose on her and bring it on home... I'd be using diner speak to say I want a hamburger with some lettuce and tomato on top. But I used niche-specific jargon. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about that, Kim?
0: (laughs) so I had no clue what you were talking about until you explained it.
1: Exactly. That's why you don't want to be using niche-specific jargon unless you know that you're talking with someone Who's in your niche? Who knows what the heck you're talking about? If you're trying to communicate and and enfold new people into your circle, they won't know it. They're not in your circle yet. Exactly. I was at a
0: networking meeting probably back 2019, I think it was. I was speaking at the event and talking about introductions. And this one lady at the back of the room, you know, put up her hand to have me help her with her introduction. And she had some sort of very strange medical title. I can't even remember what the word was. It was long um, and unrecognizable. So it's not like psychiatrist, gynecologist, and it was a very unusual word. So much so that I don't even remember it now. But I had no clue what she did or how she helped people medically. And because it was a complicated thing, you know, even after five or 10 minutes of her explaining, I still had no clue what it was that she did. Now, do you think that woman is going to really make an impression or people are going to want to talk to her about their problems? No, because nobody even knows what she does. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important, you know, if you've, if you're doing something that's not well known, or, you know, has very high technical terms. Um, My husband, works in a very highly technical job. He repairs CNC equipment. So I'm even not sure exactly what a CNC does, but it's a major piece of equipment in most factories for manufacturing things. And sometimes he comes home and he starts in on telling me about his repairs and what he's doing. And I start looking at him, I go, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And he goes, stop that. You have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs>
1: uh-huh
0: yeah <laughs> and then he realizes that he's talking to his wo- lovely intelligent but completely ignorant mechanically wife and so he he technically he dummies it down for me but what he does is he takes the concepts and he explains them to me in a way that i can understand it's one of the reasons why, until my mechanic gives up his business, I will never stop going to him.
1: <laughs>
0: Over the years, he has treated me with an incredible amount of respect. He recognizes that I'm smart, I'm intelligent, I'm just not mechanically wise. It's not something that I understand well. So he always takes the time to explain to me in ways that I can relate to what's going on in my vehicle.
1: One thing I would like to tack on here, Kim, is the idea of providing an, I want to say allegory, but that's a a bit too literary literary a word. I want you to... And this specific jargon? (laughs) uh, It's not accurate. I wouldn't say it's so niche as all that. But if you have to use jargon... And sometimes you will. It's a good idea to think about what you're talking about and try and think of a parallel in everyday life that you can use. For example, I used to sell sewing machines that allowed you to program a sequence of different pattern stitches. Like you could have a leaf and then a flower and then a leaf and the flower, very simple AB pattern. But we were selling these sewing machines to mostly to older women who did not use computers in their work life. They were homemakers and the idea of setting the clock on their VCR or anything computer related sounded very technical and scary to them. One of the things that we would teach would be you can handle this. It's like putting your cup of the tea in the microwave and then pressing the time and pressing start. Oh, I can do that.: Exactly. And when we were teaching other aspects of using the sewing machine, the comparison would be, it's like following a recipe. Mm-hmm. Things to having to do with food are often very good because I don't know anyone who doesn't eat at least once a day <laughs> at least one day a week. <laughs> on average it's a very unlikely that you're going to meet someone who has not eaten in the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to do they, whatever you've got unless you've got food for them, they're not interested. <laughs>
0: and because
1: we're running out of time again, we're going to
0: move on to the next one. Boy, we really get into these conversations, don't we, Winita? <laughs>
1: Well, when you said that we'd only done three previously and we were somehow going to miraculously cover seven, you said six, but really seven. (laughs) Well, I I guess perhaps your math was off.
0: (laughs) Well, but we had the introduction too. So that's true. I guess we're going to have to learn how to speak with more brevity. Anyway, our next one is acronyms.
1: S M A R D. The
0: problem with acronyms is not everyone knows what they mean. When my daughter started texting, she would text me all these things. R-O-L, L-O-L, mm-hmm. a whole series of other ones. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, can you not type out the word? <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same with acronyms. It may be like niche-specific jargon it may be something that is commonly known in your community but it might not be something that's known outside so general rule of thumb is is if you are using an acronym the first time you use it say all of say the acronym and then say all the words so that people know what it is and then the next time you can just continue to use the acronym
1: specific measurable (laughs) accurate realistic timely. (laughs) <laughs>
0: that's what smart goals are <laughs> <So> smart. <laughs> anyway the last two incongruous I don't even think I said incongruous. that right thank you body language it's getting towards the end of the day I'm getting tired <laughs> if you're vocally strong yet your body language is weak you will send off confusing messages to the person. It is said that, you know, a good percentage of communication is nonverbal. We do judge by what we see in a person that not just the words they say, but the tone of their voice, the way their face looks. You can say something incredibly nice with a really horrible, nasty look on your face and a slightly sarcastic tone, and that person knows that you don't mean a word that you're saying. Mm -hmm. Same with body language. Sometimes as an entrepreneur, we are in uncomfortable situations. We are exploring new ground. We're growing our business. We have new skills that we're learning. And that can come across in our body language. One couple of things to be aware of don't slouch. If you're standing, have your feet shoulder width apart. Try not to cross your arms and your hands a lot. That's what's called a closed body language. It may sound kind of weird, but you want an open body language, kind of like where your heart connects to the heart of the person. If a person takes a step backwards, you have invaded their personal bubble space. And the best thing that you can do is don't step towards them, but step away from them. Like Juanita said, if you're really tall, take that step back so it's easier to look eye to eye. So those are just some basic body language. And, of course, there's the last one. And I'm just waiting for it to happen. Oh, now you want me to
1: talk. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You didn't get my hidden clue.
1: I did. I'm so sorry, Kim. For once, I was talking. It wasn't talking over you. (laughs) The last
0: one is interrupting the other. What do you mean? I was supposed
1: to.
0: (laughs) Okay, it's going to be one of those episodes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not really. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Thank you for demonstrating the point so well. I don't think we really have to explain that one. (laughs) (laughs) Only to say that when you interrupt someone, it is disrespectful. And it positions you as the weaker person because you have to take charge. So I recommend... Even sometimes, I understand that sometimes you're talking to a person and they're going on and on and on and on and on, and they're not even stopping to take a breath, and you're wondering where you can get a word in edgewise because maybe you just have something that you need to do. (laughs) (laughs) But try to listen as much as possible. And if you do have to
1: interrupt, try to do it gently. That's a good point. Sometimes there are necessary interruptions. You might have a time consider constraint you if you're working from home, you may have a child with an emergency, and obviously those kind of interruptions need to be acknowledged and addressed when you're being interrupted by another person, I don't know about you, particularly Kim, but while I don't actually I don't usually stop the other person and say, please let me finish in my head. I have a mental tick. That's strike one. I have an interruption a second time. And I'm like, Oh, you're on thin ice now. And once you hit strike three, I do not want anything to do with you. That sounds really harsh. It it's context based. Obviously, as I said, there are exceptions when, interruptions must be priority. But if you're consistently being interrupted by distracting things that have no business interrupting your conversation with your new potential client, you are doing them and yourself a disservice.
0: Winita and I know each other well enough. We won't tell you how many years, but we're at a point that if we interrupt each other, we know it's for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's usually Winita, I've gotta go, I-, I gotta be out with a client in two minutes. Or or I'll hear something in the background and we need to go, Kim, I gotta, yeah, it's okay. Go take care of it. <laughs> there was a terrible crash and I need to deal with things. <laughs> <laughs> so let's wrap this up. If you follow the 10 uh faux pas speaking faux pas, and don't do them, you will find that your communication skills will increase. The only other one that I forgot to put in there was increase your vocabulary. Learn some delicious words and you will round off your communication skills. And when you speak to someone, you will come across attractively and they will want to talk to you more about who you are and what you do. So in closing this off, this has been Juanita Wooden Radco and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach, or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.